Well, NBA free agency is off and running. The Cavaliers already making some moves, trying to adjust the roster and make themselves a little bit more competitive for the 2023-24 season. Tommy Wilde, Spencer German here to recap what we've seen so far from the Cavaliers and the moves that they've made on another episode of the Cavs Insider Podcast. everybody i know it's been a little bit we appreciate you jumping on in with us it is that time of year nba free agency off and running as of friday afternoon and the cavaliers wasted no time getting themselves some new players some new additions to this roster to try to bolster a little bit and make themselves more of a maybe a deeper playoff run next uh, come come next spring so excited to be back with you to sort of reflect a little bit on the moves that they've made um, I think Tommy and I have an interesting perspective on the, the big key move, which was, of course, the Max Struess tra- signing trade um, that maybe is a little bit different than others. So we'll get into that here momentarily. But, Tommy, uh, good to see you, man. How's everything you been? How, how you been enjoying your offseason? Uh, you know, it's been up and down for sure. But, you know, past two <laughs> weeks, been a lot more more news going on and everything. All these rumors, it's so hard to keep up with everything. They're trading Jetty Osmond. They're not trading Jetty Osmond. They do trade Jetty Osmond. Jared <laughs> Allen, is he going to be a cap? Donovan Mitchell, what's he going to be? Where, what team's he going to be playing on next year? There's been a lot to keep up with. But some of the rumors have been, um, I don't know, a little disheartening. And some of them have been pretty good, too. So I'm excited yeah. to break down everything we've had so far. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, it feels like every other week we get a new Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks. Uh, he, him tweeting about the Knicks, him talking about the Knicks or New York or wearing a Mets yeah. jersey. Um, so maybe that's something we could touch on later in the show. Cause that is sure. something from a little bit earlier in the off season, but yeah, I mean, let's start with the moves that they made to this point. Um, the biggest one of course is the sign and trade with Miami to bring in Max Struess, who just was part of an NBA finals run. I think that's obviously an encouraging thing that you're getting a player who comes in with some of that playoff experience, obviously something the Cavs are severely lacking and a guy who seems to really work hard. We can break down these individually here in a second, but let's just kind of recap them all. Uh, there was also George Niang, who played with Donovan Mitchell in Utah, and he has the, the, his nickname is the Minivan, so if you're looking for a, a nickname for some of these guys for next year the, to kind of latch on to, that's his. But uh, he's kind of a stretch-forward type player that maybe could do some things for the Cavs both in the starting lineup at times and off the bench. And then some more ancillary pieces. Uh, Ty Jerome, who spent last year with the Warriors. I joked on uh, a 92-3 this week that you can probably best remember. The only way I think Cassians would ever have any recollection of who Ty Jerome is is that he had his, the best game of his career against the Cavaliers back in, I think, December it was, when the Warriors were in town. And they were basically playing other bench players. And it was it should have been a cakewalk for the Cavs. And he put up 22 points and helped them uh, beat beat Cleveland. So, yeah, that was the game that Brad Doherty said. Well, we didn't have Donovan Mitchell. And then I remember Twitter kind of lit him up for that. One <laughs> That's right. Anybody else. <laughs> That's right. That's probably the only way Cavs fans would know who Ty Jerome is. And then the last one, Damian Jones uh, coming over from Utah in a, in a, in a sort of a very basic uh 
baseline trade there. So he's a, uh, a center, likely your backup center, because right now, and we know it was a problem last year in the playoffs, your depth was basically Jared Allen and Evan Moby were kind of rotating at your center spot because Robin Lopez wasn't really giving you much. So they're trying something different with Damian Jones. But that's what you're looking at in terms of moves. Um, Tommy, I'll, I'll, I'll pass the baton to you here. Just your overall thoughts on, I guess, all the moves as a whole, and then we can kind of go step-by-step here and breaking some of these down. Yeah, I think that if you're just looking at every move they made, um, Kobe Altman and his team clearly had a focus this offseason, and that was bringing in three-point shooting. Um, Niang, Struess, both fantastic three-point shooters. Um, Those are two real big um, upgrades, or at least um, splashes, free agency splashes, I guess. Um, so clearly that was the focus is bringing that three point shooting. And I like the focus. I like the idea where they're going. Um, once we start getting into these individual um, signings, I have some more things to say about that, but overall they recognized their need. They went after that. They got, they upgraded, they got more three point shooting. Um, the only thing I wish, or I hope they still do is I still think we need another center. Damian Jones has been mm. a fine center, but we can talk about what else they need, what else they need to do, but they still need another center on this roster. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. Um, and I think, especially when you think about injuries over the course of the long haul of a season, and, you know, there's going to be some wear and tear, and some guys who probably missed time, whether it's Jared Allen or Evan Mobley or whatever it might be. And yeah, to only have one back of center right now, maybe a little bit concerning. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on. And, and this is where I think the conversation should start is that, yeah, the Kobe Altman and his, his team. Uh, Mike Gainsey, they, they, they looked at this roster and they know what they were lacking from last year. They identified the biggest issue, which was they don't have a lot of stretch players. They don't have a lot of perimeter shooting and they need to change that. And you go get a player like Max Struess. He obviously addresses that need for you. He has been at times a solid three point shooter. He was probably the best shooter on the heat last year. They were a terrible mm-hmm. shooting team. Um, and yeah, we'll get into some of the struggles he had in the playoffs, but he was easily their best shooter, and it's clear that they had identified the need there, and, and they go get a guy who can hopefully give you some more of that. Same thing with George Niang. I, I'm actually interested in seeing how they use Niang and deploy him because, on one hand, he could be a great bench piece. On the other hand, I could see them maybe deploying some funky lineups that include Niang playing alongside Garland and Mitchell or Niang playing alongside one of Garland and Mitchell and potentially Max Strew. So I think it's encouraging those two guys combined. I forget off the top of my head the exact number of threes that they attempted last year, but it was like something like 300 and um, something odd, some odd number threes, or maybe that's how many they made last season combined. Um, so that's obviously something that was lacking with the Cavs last year. You're not getting it done with Isaac Okoro. Jetty Osman, who was part of that sign-and-trade deal with uh, to get Max Strews, Again, I understand there's kind of an, an affinity from this fan base for Jetty Osman. I, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart for Jetty Osman. He was part I'm of Jetty that. Yeti, so it hurt when I saw him leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I and I get that, but I also kind of feel he had run his course, right? Like you had yeah. tried all these different iterations of teams with him. He was part of the championship team, obviously, and it just it just wasn't working. So yeah. I, I understand why they had to move on from him. And it's a guy who ended up in JB Bickerstaff's doghouse several times. So I, I don't know that you're losing much there. Um, but I do think, and this is where we can dive into the individual sort of move by move. I do think the Max Truce deal, while again, I understand, I, I'm trying to preface this by making it clear. We both agree 
That it's, it's it's a good move in that you're trying to address a need. Yes. But I don't know that I love Max Struess as a whole, as a player to fill that void that you were looking for for the Cavs. Yeah, I mean, he's a small forward, but he's a 6'5 small forward. Yeah. So you got, that was your issue last year. You had a lot of these forwards that were like forward guards, and I was hoping that they'd bring in a true small forward this offseason. And obviously I don't think Max Struess is – like that true small forward that maybe you're looking for. I hope that they right. bring in someone else. I, I don't know. It's it's a weird – I have a weird feeling with it. I, I need to see it. I guess that's the biggest thing. I need to see it. Right now I feel like it, it was a good move to help make you better, but I also think it's going to be a contract. I mean, it's a big contract that it's going to be like you need to prove that you deserve that. Um, I, I can't sit here right now and say that, yeah, like that. I love that move. But again, yeah. like you said earlier, I do think bringing Max Struess – and fills one of those needs you had and hopefully makes you a better team. But there are definitely still some questions that are going to be going to be um, ass heading the training camp. Yeah, four years, $63 million was the official deal he got. Um, on one hand, I can – I'm not going to sit here and gripe about money because it's not my money. Like, this is yeah. – it's, it's Dan Gilbert's money. Like, fine. Right. <laughs> Whatever they're going to pay him, they're going to pay him. And also, we know NBA contracts are largely inflated – um, guys are getting overpaid all the time. That's kind of been the trend for years now. I mean, I remember when Timofey Mozgov left Cleveland <laughs> and got a ridiculous contract from the Lakers. Yeah. And it was like, why are they paying this dude that? But that's that's just kind of life in the NBA. These guys get paid these massive contracts even if they're not worth it. Um, so, yeah, like on one hand it's that. But on the other hand, you do look and you're like, am I really going to get enough out of this player to warrant what he's going to be making and, and the assets you gave up for him as well and a Lamar Stevens and a Jetty Osman and I think it's second round pick as well. So or two yeah. second round picks, whatever it was. Um so and and here's another thing too. I saw an article talking about how the Heat basically like they didn't even try to match. They didn't even try to sign Max Truce. What does it say that the Miami Heat and and, and we, we mm-hmm. always talk about the Miami Heat culture and you know what they uh, what that means, and Eric Spolstra, and they just have it figured out down there. They have this system, and guys buy in, and you know they they're just able to pump out winning team after winning team, no matter what the parts look like. And their best shooter basically just walks, and they they you know they're willing to sign off on the sign and trade and make this whole thing happen. And they didn't even really put in much of an effort, it seemed, to retain him. I, that has to sort of make that that sort of perks my ears up a little bit. Where I'm like, I don't know what that means. Maybe it means nothing. But I just found it interesting that you know, if the Heat really valued this guy so much and he was such yeah. an important shooter for them, how they just he, he just whimsically walks off to Cleveland and they think they're going to address it somehow when they are already a bad shooting team. I don't know that that that's one thing. I guess that's a roadblock for me. One of them. To me, them not being interested in signing him to that contract or trying to match or anything that screams to me that they were more concerned with, Hey Dame, you request a trade yet? Cause obviously this happened before. <laughs> fair, fair. So I, I don't know. I don't look into too much of that. Cause I, I think that Dame has been their number one priority the entire off season before he requested a trade. So yeah, I, I don't know. That doesn't bother me too much. Just knowing how they operate and the fact that they're in the ultimate win now mode where maybe, you know, Cavs are headed in that direction, but Jimmy Butler's not getting any younger. Dame's not getting any younger. I, I feel like that has been their priority since even maybe before they were officially yeah. done losing the that, finals. That is, yeah, that is very fair. Um, Dame, obviously, a, a huge priority for them. That's understandable. Um, I will say, though, the Heat culture, that is something for me where I wonder how Max Struess looks outside of it. Because yeah. even beyond like whether or not they wanted to keep him around or what their priorities were, 
Um, we see it all the time, right? Like guys go from one system where it works for them and they're really clicking. They go to a new team, new system, and something just doesn't work. I, I used the example the other day of that comes to mind from a Cleveland, a Cleveland lens is Jay Crowder. Yeah. Jay Crowder was one of the best three and D players in this league when he was with the Boston Celtics. That's part of the reason why they included him in the Kyrie Irving trade at the time. He comes here. He disappeared. He was nothing like the player he was in Boston. And then, lo and behold, he goes to the Suns, and he returns to being one of those great 3 and D players on a team that ended up making to the NBA Finals. So I just wonder, like, will he thrive outside of heat culture that we like to hype up so much? And I I will say, I've heard from a lot of people that – um, one of the things about Max Struess is that he does work very hard. Like that yeah. is part of his his just his the the mentality that he has. He's never really been a rest of my laurels kind of guy, so it doesn't strike me as a guy who's necessarily going to just get paid and then kind of coast from here. But still, fit matters and system matters, and if he can fit into the scheme, is obviously going to be an important piece of what happens for the team next season. And I think. If you want another example of a guy that thrived in the Heat culture, Kendrick Nunn. I mean, he was fantastic yeah. for that season. He was there, and then he went to the Lakers. And I know there were some injuries and stuff in there, but he just never really fit. I think he's with, with the Wizards now, maybe, or he got yeah. traded to the Wizards I think at one you're point. Right. Um, so, I mean, that, that might be a perfect example of a guy that was great in that system and then kind of faded out maybe a little bit. But I do think if you – obviously, the Cavs culture is not the Heat culture right now. I mean, Heat has been historically – um, great, you know, grit um, team. But I do think the Cavs have a similar fit as in, like, you know, that ju- junkyard chain and everything, the slashers. I mean, it is a similar culture, if you want to call it that, than the Cavs is, than what the Heat is. So, you know, you can never look at a guy and say that it's a bad thing that people say he works hard. So that that is something that you have to yeah. keep in mind. I, I do like that you brought that up. Yeah, the last thing I'll say on it in maybe sort of my concerns, not even concerns, but just my weariness to just latch on and say, oh, they, f- they fixed it. They solved other issues with Max Struess. The guy shot 35% from three last year for the season. You brought up before we sort of jumped on here that he shot 31% in the playoffs last year. He was terrible in the finals. Yeah. Um, and look, on one hand, Sometimes guys don't play at the on that that stage. It's early in his career. He's only a three year player. Like he's trying to feel things out. I get that. I can certainly accept that. Somebody brought up to me that you know LeBron James had a really bad NBA Finals that first year with the Heat when he played against the Mavs. So yeah, like even the best players can struggle in the finals on that stage. But he didn't really play great throughout the whole playoffs, and he only shot thirty five percent from three. Which, mind you, yes, he took more three-point attempts than Isaac Okoro. I have, Isaac up, I have it up right here, actually. He shot 35% from three on seven attempts from the floor in the regular season. Yeah, and and granted, he took more attempts than Isaac Okoro, but Isaac Okoro actually finished as a better three-point shooter percentage-wise last year than Max Struess. And on one hand, I keep saying that phrase, but um, <laughs> listen, like, Yes. So did Jetty Osmond. He feels better. Three, four <laughs> if we're just throwing up. Yeah, you I mean, know. <laughs> and, and listen, that's like the very baseline argument you can make against yeah. a guy being a three-point shooter. Like, oh, this that guy was better matters. and that guy was better. Uh, yeah, for sure. And and again, him being maybe the only good shooter on the Heat, um, with Cleveland, you're hoping there's a little bit more floor spacing, a little bit more room for him to operate. He was getting double-teamed a lot, getting chased a lot by two guys because they knew he was a threat from outside. Hopefully this opens him up to hit more threes. I know he actually shoots like 45% from the corner, but I'm seeing a guy who's been streaky throughout his career, 
And I just hope that he ends up being that more like a 40, 41% three-point shooter like he was last year than we got this past season. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. Also, defensively, you brought up like the uh, being a sort of smaller small forward at 6'5". The Cavs already have a, a, a problem with undersized guard play and undersized wing play. When you have Darius Garland and, and, and Donovan Mitchell out there, you don't need another guy who's undersized guarding some of these best wings in the game on top of the fact that he was getting roasted in the playoffs. And I understand it was Jokic, it was some of these other good players, but he was getting roasted in the playoffs. He's not a great defender, and that worries me a little bit too. Like if I was going to get a a, a wing player, I wanted him to be able to guard those opposing wing players that are so important in the NBA and some of the best in the league. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's not really have much else to say with that. I just think... <laughs> It's going to be so. I know we're beating a dead horse here. Yeah, but. we're going to have to see it. I, I mean, I, we can keep saying it, but I, I just need to see it on the floor before I make my yeah. final verdict. I, I'm happy they went out and tried to improve. Hopefully this is a move that will improve the roster, but I, it just needs to, need to see it on the floor first before I'm all yeah. in on it. I'm with you. I, I think that's a good way to sum it up. Like, I got to see it work first. I, I'm not just going to blanketly get excited about every signing because it's the Cavs and they made the right move and, you know, whatever it might be. So um we'll see and hopefully we're having a conversation during the season that's much different than this where we we like the moves that they've made and they are actually panning out for for the best for um you know what what this team's trying to accomplish next year which is hopefully a deeper playoff run yeah i want to be wrong let's put it exactly (laughs) yeah that's a good way to put it um again i think we both agree like is niang your favorite signing as well at this point it's got to be up there. I remember when I got the notification on my phone that the Cavs had reached that agreement like shortly. I think it was like 6.45, like 45 minutes after. So obviously they hadn't done the Struce deal yet. My first initial thought was, oh, they're trying to recreate the Lori Markkinen, like that, yeah. that sort of yeah. bigger lineup. Because I know that Niang was mostly like a power forward type player with the 76ers last year. Um, so I kind of thought that was the direction they were going and maybe having him start at the three. Obviously, we know that Max Struce is probably going to be that starting three. But I do think that lineup could work, you know, having Niang, Mobley, and Allen or Damian Jones out there and, and having him run that three, that bigger wing. I mean, Markin wasn't a great defender either, but somehow they made it work. So I, I would love to see them try to something, maybe not in the starting lineup, but I think it would be great if they tried that bigger, larger lineup again because yeah. it worked so well for them. I like that thought that they're trying to kind of recreate the Markin spot. Um, and, yeah, I, I, it's funny because – there's there was a lot of talk about Niang being able to guard multiple positions, which is true. He can yeah. he can attempt to guard multiple positions. Right, right. I don't know that he does that very well. Him and Struess actually had I think very similar defensive ratings last year. I think it was like one sixteen mm-hmm. um, for the season. So yeah, neither really great defenders. And yeah, I think Niang being sort of that stretch four type guy can guard multiple positions. I just don't know if he's going to do it at a, an immensely high level. I will say though too, Tommy, that. I, I'm okay taking a step back maybe a little bit defensively if it means that the offense is picking up a little bit because that was the problem in the postseason. In that right. series against the Knicks, the offense just could not get the job done. They didn't have enough scoring. They didn't have enough shooting. So if you take a step back defensively, we saw what being a dominant defensive team got you last year. I can accept that as long as you know the offense kind of comes with it and that, that, that picks up. Yeah, and especially, like, again, when I was saying on the Niang thing, like, if you're going to have Niang run the three, that's okay. You can have him guard whoever the four is on the floor and yeah. have Mobley guard the three, the wing. Like, you can, when you have him at that position, you can do a little bit more with your defensive matchups. Um, 
which again, I think would be interesting. And I hope they do test that lineup, those kind of lines up lineups out throughout the year. I want to move on to this uh, comment from Mark Stein. I, I think going into the post the postseason, the off season, I guess it's the off season for me too. My mind is uh, taking yeah. a break. Um, going into the off season, I would say like the most talked about subject, maybe not the most talked about because we did bring up the Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks thing a whole bunch, but maybe the most talked about thing aside from that has been, you know, are the Cavs going to break up this core four and is Jarrett Allen the trade chip that uh, gets maybe moved this off season to try to improve this roster? I think. Uh, most people have kind of said, ah, I don't see it happening. We know Kobe Altman's comments after the season where he said no wholesale changes. I would imagine no wholesale changes in his mind means that you're not trading one of your core four pieces. But Mark Stein, NBA insider, had the comments over the weekend that there's still a chance they can move on from Jared Allen and try to flip him in some sort of deal to improve the roster, and he doesn't think the door's closed on that. So I think, Tommy... And maybe this is why I don't love the Max Struess trade. Yeah, I, I guess gonna, maybe I was gonna go with it. <laughs> yeah, like maybe I just feel that I wanted the cat. I I I said this the other day. Maybe I have just accepted in my mind that I don't think this iteration of the Cavs with this core four group is going to be a title contending team. And I've accepted that, and so I'm okay being like, all right, let's try to move on from a Jared Allen if it means we're going to get in a better wing player or some other player that's going to mean more to this team offensively or whatever that entails. Now I think Evan Moby's untouchable. I largely think Darius Garland's untouchable. Yeah. Um, but I, and if there's going to be a piece you try to move now, cause you're trying to convince Donovan Mitchell to stay, I think it's going to be Jared Allen. Um, I I'm open to it. I can accept that. I don't know if it gets done this off season, but I can understand the thinking behind that. And I guess I just wonder like where Cavs fans heads are at. Like, are you okay with just the moves they made this, this weekend feeling pretty good about things? Or do you still want to see them maybe push for a Jarrett Allen trade before the season starts? Yeah, I mean, in my mind, you can't be the way I see it. I don't know. Maybe other people see it a different way. You can't be overly excited and be praising the Max Struess deal and say we need to trade Jarrett Allen because he doesn't perform in the playoffs. There, you can't. You can't have it both ways because Struess struggled in the playoffs too. I mean, in the finals, yeah. he shut down. And I get, I know there's context with everything. But he still didn't really show up. You can't say that Jared Allen needs to leave and need to trade him because he didn't show up in the playoffs after one playoff series in a series where we said that the Cavs were thin in the front court and that is where we got beat. So I don't know. I, I don't see them moving on from Jared Allen in one, what are you going to trade for? You already yeah. signed your 15 million year small forward to a deal for the next four years you're going to bring in another center. Like what other center, what other piece is going to be going to make you that contender? I don't know. I, I struggle to see what kind of deal you make to get better while also filling some of the holes. And if you trade him for draft capital, what message is that send to Donovan Mitchell? Oh, we're trying to recoup draft capital in yeah. a contending window. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I just don't see it happening. I think that Jared Allen's way more valuable than people make him out to be. Obviously, he could have played better, but I just don't know what what else you would get from a trade for him and still be in the same position. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, with it. it's an interesting dilemma, especially because I don't know what his value is on the trade market. Yeah, given how he performed in the playoffs, like I think we're talking about that. I think other teams are looking at that too, wondering like, what does this guy do for us if we're trying right. to chase titles? You almost want him to come back 
and play at a high level and then maybe make himself a more valuable asset if you needed to at the deadline, which is the same thing I think we can say about Karis LeVert. We'll get to him here in just a second. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm okay. You can never rule it out. Like, even last year we thought the Cavs were done and then they made the Donovan Mitchell trade. So you never know what's going to happen before the season starts. Maybe they do swing a deal. I just... um, And and it's nothing against Jared Allen. I like Jared Allen as a player. I like him as a person. He fits Cleveland so well. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if um I don't know if this current iteration of the Cavs works and wins you titles or even gets you close to titles and he's kind of the I don't I don't mean this in like a malicious way but he kind of is the weak link of the core four that I think you would move on from mostly just because his playing style isn't necessarily in tune with what the rest of the league is doing in in 2023 right. like the, this is a very now. Yeah, it's so it's a wing based, shooting based league, and he's never going to be that for you. Um, so I, I think it's an interesting dilemma. If they run it back with him, fine. I, I guess I'm willing to see what happens when you add Max Struess into the mix. But I do think, again, like they're going to have to prove it to us. Here's the thing, Tommy. Like we aren't going to just watch the regular season next year and see them win 50 plus games, and then that's enough. We now know that after they got, after, yeah, after they got punked in the playoffs. In the first round against the Knicks, they have to do it on that stage. It's it's not about mm-hmm. 51 wins anymore. So we're going to go the whole year saying, yeah, this is great, but right. we're waiting for something. So until we get to that point, we won't really know. if Like, like we're sitting here talking about, is this going to work? Is that going to work? We honestly won't know if it's going to work until next April, right. end of April, May. Because, right now, next year. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, we won't know for that long. It's going to be a long sort of way here to see. But, yeah, I, I just... I, I see kind of a, I don't want to say a wasted year, but it almost feels like if you're just kind of staying the same in this league and you're not evolving to what the league is doing, that you're going to get left behind. That's what I kind of worry about with the Cavs here is that they're going to waste a year yeah. of Donovan Mitchell, waste a year of Darius Garland, um, and you know not really get any closer to the end goal. So we'll see if there's anything, if, if Kobe Allman has anything up his sleeve in regards right. to Jared Allen. But well, I think that's... Think one more thing about the Jared Allen stuff, too. I mean, we talk about bringing in Struess and Niang, who may not be the best defenders. I mean, Jared Allen had the second-best defensive rating in the league, out better than Evan Mobley, who was on all an all-defensive team. Like, if you get rid of him, like, what does that say about your defense? I mean, I think J.B. Bickerstaff is more of a defensive-minded head coach anyway. Yeah. So if you're getting rid of that entire system, like, wh- where are we going? And I think that that's kind of my biggest question. I mean – it's everyone's question, but like, what is the focus of this team going to be, especially if you trade Jared out? Yeah, no, and I think that's very fair. Let's talk real quick about Karis LeVert. Um, he returns on a two year, $32 million deal. My overall perspective on him, Tommy, is just that I think you, we, we said at the end of the season, there was, it was a no brainer. They were going to bring him back. You weren't just right. going to let him walk for nothing, um, especially after you gave up a first round pick for him. So uh, I think it was fine. Again, money is what money is. Sounds like there was some interest from other teams that wanted to maybe sign him, and he actually settled for less money to stay in Cleveland, so maybe some loyalty there. But for me, Karis LeVert, streaky player, he can be great one night and then be terrible the next. I think your hope for him is that he comes out and plays so well in the first half that then he becomes a tradable asset for you at the deadline and maybe improve your team. Unless he just plays great all season. Yeah, I mean, 
I get what you're saying. I do think that there has to be something you said like that loyalty and the fact he's been the ultimate team player. I don't think we talk about that enough. Like he actually might've had the best series in the playoffs. I actually have his playoff stats up right here. (laughs) He was waiting. He was waiting for the playoff stats to pop up. But I was going to say like throughout the entire season, he was starting, he was on off the bench. He was starting with the shooting guard, the small forward. He said he preferred, I think he said he preferred the shooting guard better, but this team still kind of played about that four, but he never really complained. He never, caused the scene or demanded this is where I play and stuff. And like you said, like maybe even taking less money. I think there's a lot to be said for that. And having a guy like that on your team who in the playoffs average 15 points go. a game, 36% from three, 43% from the field. You know, those numbers are, I mean, he probably was the best player in the playoffs for the Cavs yeah. last year. So just immediately signing him and saying that, Oh, he's going to be a trade piece. I don't, I don't quite see it that way. I six man can six man of year contention. I, I don't know. I think mm-hmm. that, he definitely could be in that. So I, I like the signing, bring him back for two years. Um, fits well with the Cavs, and we'll see We'll see where he goes. Yeah, I think I, I was going to say, like, he he was like the one player in the playoffs, which was odd, that I felt he played very consistent and actually performed at a level where you were like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, somebody, like in, somebody showed up at least, right? right. I think like, game one was like his worst game, and then after that he was great. Yeah, in Madison Square Garden where, you know. Yeah. The lights were brighter than expected. So yeah, I mean, according to Jared Allen, <laughs> right? Exactly. Can I just say that too with with the Jared Allen thing, real quick? Like my biggest worry for this team, and we'll talk about this more. I, I know we're trying to get out of here. We'll talk about this more. My biggest worry for this team is that what we saw in the playoffs is just who they are. Like they just they're just not tough. And, and I don't know that you can just like get that out of a team by adding like a Max Struess. Maybe he brings heat culture with them, and that toughens them up a little bit. I don't know, but I don't know how they improve that if that's really who they are as from an identity standpoint. Maybe some of it is Evan Moby gets a little more tougher and physical, and that changes mm-hmm. things. But, yeah, I, I, I do worry about that. Last thing to get out of here, Tommy, was there anybody, like, dream scenario you really wanted them? That was, like, yes. maybe maybe not, like, outlandish, like, not a, not and it was never going to happen, but, like, somebody that was, like, kind of realistic but that you wanted for them. I don't know if it was kind of realistic, but, like, I I still, like, even in February, I think I put a story up on Cavs Insider, and I was like, this four would make us a finalist contender. Jeremy Grant, man. And who knows? Yeah, that would have been awesome. I had him on a wish list, Damian Lillard is is out. Like, I know he signed the contract. I don't know if that's official yet, if there's a way. Technically, it's not official because they can't sign a moratorium period. I I think you have. So, like, I know how. Yeah. I think Wednesday or Thursday is, like, the first official day. I think sixth. So, I think that's Thursday. You have to wait to actually sign contracts. So, technically, I don't think he's officially signed yet. So if he backs out or if there's that get, deal gets broken up or if we sign him, like there, I can't see the tr- Blazers holding on, to, on yeah. for him for the rebuild. But I don't know. That's the guy. It's like, man, like true small forward. Can create it would probably shots. have to be another sign and trade situation, obviously, yeah. just because you have to get the money to line up. But I, I like that thought. I, I, yeah. lo- I love Jimmy Grant, too, as an option. Mm-hmm. My big one, too, is Royce O'Neal. Yeah, the, I mean, one. the Nets are like selling off parts. So I was like, oh. If you could get Royce O'Neal, sign me up. I also thought once the Lakers cut Mo Bamba, I was like, are they going to get him? And That's a good one. Another keep it on the Los Angeles, um, that kind of train. I'm going to pronounce the name wrong, so I feel so bad. But um, Zubach. Zubach. Uh, I, I yeah. can't pronounce it. Yeah. The, the Clippers said that he was available for trade. I was like, you know what? That could be, you know, he started. He's been a starter most of his career. But him coming off the bench, I mean, a trio of him, Jared Allen, and Evan Mobley. That's not bad. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so. I like that thought. I know you said Austin Reeves, too, you wanted, but he Yeah, that was earlier in the year. Yeah, he didn't I, even sign for that much. I was like, maybe no. he could have got it. 
All right, well, texted me during the um, conference final. I was like, Austin Reeves, that'd be sweet. Yeah, I remember. So I remember back. that. <laughs> all right, well, that's about all the time we have. Appreciate you guys jumping on in with us. Um, enjoy, if you're watching this uh, at some point this week during the Independence Day holiday, enjoy your Independence Day. Um, and we'll be back with you guys soon. We'll probably check back in a little bit later this month and then try to get you revved up for the, the, the regular season coming up here this fall, later on in the summer and into the, the fall months. So appreciate you guys jumping in for another episode of the Cavs Insider Podcast. We'll talk to you guys soon.